is up everyone welcome to part two of our four-year celebration uh today exactly on uh i believe it was actually recorded on september 8th but we didn't release it until september 9th of 2017 um our first episode which was on george romero so four years later we're celebrating obviously we celebrated part one with Lou, and we did uh, a battle, long, extensive battle year of 1989, and we had uh, all kinds of fun with that, and uh, talk some, talk some uh, Stephen King and all kinds of stuff, and just the, all the stuff we like to talk about. So, uh, as we wrap up our four-year celebration, we are doing our top ten George Romero films, and uh, yeah, you're gonna hear uh, Mr. Uh, Eric Scott Tyler and Sean Chango Henderson talk, uh, and myself give our top 10 George Romero films, uh, in order, uh, one to 10, 10 to one, whichever. And, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks everyone who's uh, supported from the get and the go, but, uh, here we are now onward and upward, uh, as always. And thanks for the support. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if not, go fuck yourself. What is up? Part two of our four-year celebration of the podcast. We have Mr. Eric Scott Tyler and Mr. Sean Chongo Changita Hendo Henderson on here today. And we are giving our George Romero top ten films. And uh, we might talk about some other films, too, that aren't necessarily in the top ten. Um, but we're going to talk all about his films. And four years ago, to the day... September 9th, we released our first episode, and it was a tribute episode to George. George had passed away just a month and a half prior to that first episode being uh, released, and George and Toby passing away in summer 2017 kind of prompted us to bring our conversations to a recorded format, and thus the Heart Guide Media podcast was formed. We've evolved into the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guide Media. Heart Guide Media acting as the, so to say, umbrella uh, over the podcast and a little bit of a rebranding for season five. But uh, you can call us whatever you like. Heart Guide Media podcast, Sight and Sound podcast, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and yeah, we are appreciative of the few, the proud, and the crucial. Boys, say what up. How you doing? What's going on? Hello, everybody. Very strange, very strange. How's that turkey sandwich, Sean? <laughs> no turkey for the turkey, man. Wait. If I could, uh, if I could just quickly say, I know I, I listened to your part one with um, Mr. Lou Smith, and I just want to reiterate that I... I want to say congratulations on four years of this thing, and I, and I, I want to thank you for letting us have such a big part in it. Uh, I really I really love every time we can get together and, and do one of these. So, Well, I need uh, I need all the boys on board to, uh, to get this thing 
roll needed to everyone on board to get this rolling. We've had some fun conversations and they're only going to continue. And what better way to continue? Wait, Sean, mustard or mayo on that sandwich? Was it? Mustard or mayo on that sandwich? I don't I'm a mayonnaise kind of guy. Mar- mayonnaise or Miracle Whip? I enjoy the tang zip of Miracle Whip. Me as well. Is that like an official Miracle Whip saying, or you just came up with that on the spot? It's an official saying of Miracle Whip, but I was trying to do Stanley Hudson's voice, which clearly failed. Oh, you got it. No, you're good. You're good. I got it. All right. So, uh, George, obviously, uh, we're all big fans of uh, George Romero's work. And, you know, we get we have a movie that's yet to be released. Uh Iron City Ass Kickers that's finally getting a release this year, and I think it was filmed back in, I think, 1980-something, late 80s, maybe, 87, I'm thinking. Um, We got Amusement Park, which was never supposed to be released and got released in uh, lieu or in honor, I guess, of his uh, foundation and and any proceeds, I guess, going to that. Um, I'm not sure if there was, like, a Shutter deal where Shutter paid him because it was a Shutter exclusive. But regardless, there are so many Romero films. He gave us so much art and so much uh, film to appreciate. And we're going to give you some uh, some lists today. So should we should we save Brian's list for last? Because Brian couldn't join us today, unfortunately. But should we get, save Brian's list for last? Or should we read his list off first? Uh, I say you read his first. I like that idea. All right. Now, Brian's list, uh, I was... Uh, I was slightly shocked by some stuff and then surprised by some stuff i don't know it was good it was good but here's here's brian's top 10 bt is uh his top 10 uh george romero films list number 10 2007's diary of the dead nine monkey shines eight land of the dead seven season of the witch six martin five Day of the Dead, four, Creep Show, three, The Dark Half, two, Night of the Living Dead, and number one, Dawn of the Dead. Very solid. I mean, I uh, I think I could have, if you were to ask me what BT's top ten was, I think I could probably get most of that, but I'm uh, surprised, not surprised, I say, but... Uh, I kind of had a feeling he would put season of the witch in his top 10. Yeah, I was I was honestly a little shocked. My first impression of the list was uh I guess some shock that the dark half was so high. Yeah, he's got that up there. Number 3. That's good. BT's a lot like the dark half. He's got he's got a little some dark sides in him that come out. Oh, he No, he really he is. For that film. Yeah. Also too, I'm surprised that BT there had a lot of evil eyes on his list as well. No, two evil eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess that is uh, interesting. But and he's never. He wanted to know. He said, uh, "Don't forget to bring up how I still haven't seen Night Riders and discuss whether I should be able to call myself a fan." No, you're not a fan, Brian. You're a fucking poser. <laughs> and I would say, yeah, I would say he's still a fan. But I know I'm. I'm being. No, no, no I know. I just. 
definitely got to check out Night Riders, though, which we'll, which I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure somebody's got it on their top ten. I, I'd imagine. Maybe well. it should be interesting to see who does and doesn't. But and yeah. tell them the audience he means how I think Season of the Witch is an underrated masterpiece. Yes, Brian, obviously, having Season of the Witch on his list, he may be the only one out of the four of us that has that on his list. Brian, a big fan of that. I'm a fan as well. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into that. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say that we're a fan of pretty much all of his flicks. Yeah, it's to varying degrees, 100%. Yeah, like even the amusement park, I would say, I'm, I guess I could call myself a fan. I don't know, though. <laughs> well, I understand why George didn't release it. We'll just say that. Yeah, we'll leave that at that for sure. Um, but yeah, how are we doing this? Uh, do we want to go round robin, ten, 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 nine, 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 eight, eight, eight? Do we want to do that? I, mean, I say like, I, I think a lot of these films we've talked about at great length. So I'm not going to probably. I mean, I definitely want to give my full list, but I'm not going to go in depth on every one of them because I know we've. We've covered a lot of them. We've talked, to, yeah. We talked a lot about Creep Show in the Stephen King episode. We've talked about Night of the Living Dead. Obviously, we did a whole episode right. on Dawn of the Dead. We've talked. Uh, we've talked a lot. So, how about we go through? How about we each run through our five to our ten to five, and then we'll round robin our five to ones. I like it. So mix it up a bit. A little different. Perfect. All right. I'll start. Okay. So my number ten, 2005's Land of the Dead. My number nine, Bruiser. My number eight, Knight Riders. My number seven, Survival of the Dead, George's last uh, uh, official film. And number six, The Dark Half. I dig. Dig it. I mean, I think... um... I think, yeah, like, I think the lists are going to be very, very similar, of course. Um, I was eager to see where everyone had kind of had some of his, um, you know, like the survival and then some of his newer flicks. So I was, I was excited to see survival on a fairly high on your list, I thought. So I like that. Yeah, I mean, survival ended up coming in at number seven. I love survival. I think that was a great swan song for George for his last film that he he did. And... And yeah, in the dark half, I love the dark half. I love the book, um, and it just, it just, Stephen King and George Romero just were magic when when they collaborated. Every time they collaborated, it was pure magic. And and T Huts, you got to give it up to T Huts in, in the dark half. Uh, he he fucking he killed that role, and I think that movie's underrated. And I would love to do an episode on it, or maybe a commentary. Who even knows? I 100% think that needs to happen, to be honest with you. I mean, he really, again, we don't have to get too in depth, but he completely knocks it out of the park in that. I mean, the uh, the start, like, he's such a stark difference between the two uh, characters that he plays. Well, I guess... Pun, inten- pun intended, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, who wants to go next for their uh, 10 to 5? Or 10 to 6, I'll, rather. I'll go. I'll hit, I'll hit it. That's cool. Yeah, hey, let's hear Give it. Give it up, Lars. Sean is really just—he's out there today. Something going on. Man, he must have a bad—he must have had a bad day at work. I don't know. I had a really good day at work actually. I uh, went pretty smoothly. Are you drunk? You pissed at Bobby? You pissed at you? <laughs> no, I'm not in the bottle. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, number ten for me: 2007's Diary of the Dead. 
Nice. Brian had that at 10 uh, as well. Number nine, Night Riders. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about Night Riders. I think this film, if you haven't, like Brian, if you like Brian and you haven't seen it, definitely need to check it out. It's obviously um, in a different world of most of George's flicks. It's not obviously really a horror flick at all. It's not a, well, it's not a horror flick. Um, but it also has a lot of underlying tones of kind of what things he stands for with these these people are doing something kind of underground and they're, and they're trying to keep it that way, but they're, you know, being harassed by uh, authorities or by, um, you know, people trying to make it something what they're not. Almost like, uh, in George's case, like a like a big, uh, I don't know, like a big company, a big production company trying to snatch up one of his flicks or something. I, I just like how it kind of, it's like an ode to the DIY, the underground a little bit. And I think that's kind of, obviously we all know that that was George's forte. He was his true king of uh guerrilla filmmaking and uh i think this this film has a lot of like of those underlying tones so it's definitely his most different film as far as i mean aside from amusement park obviously but it definitely like something i don't think people ever associate associate with him with but uh i feel like the people who do see it I know there's some people that don't like it, but I feel like there are there is a healthy portion of Romero fans that appreciate Knight Riders for the different film that it is, especially in Romero's catalog. For sure, for sure, for sure. All right, so keep going. Number eight, 1973's A Crazy. Uh, again, I think this is some... Um, honestly, like, I know this, this got the remake, but uh, I feel like it's kind of, dare I say, it's a little bit underrated for him. I feel like... It, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't get the love that it that it deserves almost, especially because a lot from a lot of his other flicks are so you know so loved. But uh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, this one's. I mean, seventy three, so it's still it's fairly early in his uh, in his uh, collection, I guess. But uh, super good movie, uh, the crazy. So now number seven, I have Survival of the Dead, two thousand nine Survival of the Dead. Like Jesse said, his last. Uh, official release and i thought you know i i know a lot of people hate on this one but as we spoke of before i think this one is, is superb i love it absolutely great so um number six we have 1993 timothy hunt in the dark half uh, also known as the brian tyler story would you fucking <laughs> let me talk <laughs> that's the sequel would you yeah. fucking let me talk the dark half too <laughs> Uh, and then uh, at number five, I have uh, 1977's Martin, starring John Amplis. This is just such a cool take on a... Uh... Oh, you jumped right into five. Oh, was I not supposed to do five? Yeah, yeah, we, we did. I, I was saying ten to five, but I meant like ten to six, uh, really. So, well, I, I gave it away anyway. I'll, I'll just say Spoilers. Martin, number five, Martin, 1977. I know you guys are probably going to talk about this one, too, but such an interesting take on a... I guess you would call it vampire vampire film. I I'll, think you really see I'll hit you with a spoiler like alert right now. It's not on my list. Oh, ah. look at that. It it well, it just missed the top ten. I had it as my number eleven technically because I uh, I lined out every other movie of Romero's that I've seen, which is everything except for Iron City Ass Kickers, uh, which hasn't been released yet. Exactly, which we have not seen, but hopefully we all will soon. Uh, anyway, yeah. So well, I don't know. We'll talk more about Martin. But number five, Martin. I preemptively said that when I should not have. I apologize. It's all right. Okay, we still we still love you. What What about you, Sean? What's your ten to six? 
right, so full disclaimer, when I was doing my list, I realized I've not seen a good chunk of Romero's films. Have so, you seen, have you sad. seen, ten, have you, were you able to have seen, ten, did you see 10 of them at all? Yeah, I've actually seen 10 on the dot. Okay, good. Perfect. So, yeah, so this will be, uh, they'll all be on the list at least, so that's just make it a little bit easier for you. So, uh, you know, but like all, all, all the films I really wanted to see, like, make sure that I'm not going to bring that up because it'll be spoilers for my list. Um, I'll talk about it later. Um, so number 10, I'm going to start off with Survival of the Dead. Um, I enjoy that film. Uh, number nine, I'm going to go with The Crazies. Nice. Uh, eight, Bruiser. And then seven, uh, Land of the Dead. And then lastly, number six, Diary of the Dead. Nice. Nice. All right. Happy to see, again, happy to see Survival on your list. I'm happy to Even see up- Bruiser. In yeah, Bruiser as well. Bruiser as well. I enjoyed Bruiser a lot. Yeah, I did too. I mean, even even the Misfits uh, Association aside, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember I bought like a used like copy at Mind Games for three dollars. Steal. George, and then George directed the Scream by the Misfits. Yes, right? he did. Yep. <laughs> Which was on awesome. list as well. The combination of the Bruiser and the Scream video—that's it is really awesome to think about how. I know we all love the Misfits dearly that George had a little impact in their career, you know, putting them in the flick and then directing one of their videos. So oh, yeah, really a awesome. match a match made in hell, as it were. Yeah, for uh, sure. So, uh, since you already gave your number five, Eric, uh, for Martin, I will give my five. My five is 2007's Diary of the Dead. I love this film. It is... I, you know what I I toggled back and forth with Dawn and Day, or, or excuse me, uh, Dawn and Diary, and I only put Dawn above Diary because I grew up with Dawn and spent so much time with it growing up and renting that from from uh, Video King, uh, not Sight and Sound. Sight and Sound was closed by the time I discovered that film, but. Uh, from running it from Video King and, and just, like, falling in love with it and the history of it. It's just, I mean, it go, so many people revere it as the best zombie film of all time. And it's just so much fun to watch. Uh, I'm talking about Dawn of the Dead, but uh, Diary of the Dead, for me, those are the reasons I, I Dawn is above Diary for me. I kind of toggle back and forth on those. But Diary, for me, I feel like was ahead of the curb on talking about uh obsession with social media needing to document everything and when the end comes we're documenting it um and it was i feel like it was uh telling for what that movie was released in 2007 um and i don't think it got a a wide release uh like a i think it got released in 2007 but i don't think it came to home video until 2008 um and that's where I got it, like the Dimension, you know, DVD or whatever. And I remember watching that for the first time when it came out. I remember watching it. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was uh, a couple of us over at Sean's house when it first got released on DVD and we watched it. And I was blown away from the from the first time I saw it. And I am someone that was vehemently kind of 
partially disgusted with uh, found footage films. I think they're really hokey and not fun. But this one captivated me, and it didn't feel like a found footage film. It felt like it felt like someone, like people were truly documenting the end. And I think the zombie effects are awesome. I think there's a comedic element uh, in this one more so than any other Romero film, except for maybe Survival. His last two, I think. He was able to take the piss out of himself a little bit more. But Diary, I think, is underrated. I know people love to pull their pants down and and, and shit all over this one. Uh, I'll never understand it. I love Diary of the Dead. The last thing, I met George Romero twice. The first thing he signed was this hilarious 8x10 with his beautiful yellow teeth, just smiling his friggin' big George smile with his Marlboro breath and just fucking he signed, you know, the George Romero stay scared on that eight by 10. But the second time I met him, which was the last time I met him, which shouldn't have been the last time I met him. I should have met him many more times, but unfortunately when you're, when you go to conventions, your money's limited and there's people you're not sure are ever going to be back. So you got to pass up getting a third George Romero autograph, but I got a diary of the dead print, uh, poster promotional glossy signed, and I'm glad because I love that film and it felt good to hear George go, wow, di- diary. All right. It's something different. All right. Like, I, was, I was just about to say that I would be pretty upset if we didn't get one of your Romero impressions. Before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Many hours just watching him. So I've perfected his, uh, his dialect, I guess, but yeah, diary of the dead, my, uh, my number five, to start my top five, Sean, what's your uh, what's your five? So Eric and I are in the same boat together because my number five was also Martin. Yeah, you guys. Uh, I mean, I like this film a lot too, but I know you guys were uh, champions of it um, a yeah, little bit more the, than me. Uh, vampire podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. I remember when we, yeah when we did our top ten vampire films. I know that was brought up. Um, and yeah, it is a, it's a fun film and it's definitely an interesting and different take and a different Romero film. You know, it was, uh, it was definitely, it's different still to this day and it's, it's really cool. I know there's been rumblings about it getting released on Blu-ray, but there's been no announcement. Not sure who was going to do it. I know Ronan was rumored to have been releasing it, but yeah. All right. Fucking Martin, you're number five. Uh, all right, Eric, why don't you continue? What's your number four? Perfect. Uh, number four for me, I am going to go with, I'm going to go with 1982's Creepshow. Um, again, I, I feel that we really, we don't need to talk in depth about, but I would say if you're considering it, the, the horror anthology is probably the champion. Am I right? Like this film is... Oh yeah, it's the king. I mean, even, even just... Um, like, I don't know, horror movies altogether, like Creepshow has it's got to be one of the most... Uh, popular and influential and talked about films if you really think about it and like you were like you were touching on earlier i mean um romero you know teaming up so to speak with with the other king stephen king uh just a match made in heaven so uh number four creep show i know me and jesse recently well i mean i say recently but quite a while ago got to watch this on a at a drive-in which was really really awesome and uh such a cool setting, but and, and such a great film. film. Yeah, uh, definitely the the king of the horror anthology uh, films, one hundred percent. And uh, yeah, seeing that on thirty five millimeter was uh, a lot of fun as well. And uh, 
Yeah, my number four, as I said, I toggled back and forth between Diary and Dawn. It's Dawn of the Dead. I grew up with this movie. It was so much fun. It's fun now going back and having that, you know, as we podcasted on it last year, we did an episode on it. And uh, with the blood and the and the blue zombie makeup and stuff, it, it it's funny to see it now. Uh, because it's still like it doesn't take away from the film it doesn't distract me and i know i've i've shown that movie to younger <laughs> younger audiences like i'm fucking screening at the alamo draft house but uh, you know younger people that don't understand like when they see the bright red blood when they see the 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 makeup color they kind of get lost with it um but it was a time and a place and obviously an influence with uh argeno at the time and uh, just kind of what they had to work with too, uh, at the same time, but it doesn't take anything away from me. It's almost like Dawn of the Dead to me al- almost felt comic booky to me. It felt like a dark, dark comic book. Um, and I always read that like a com- watched it like it kind of like was a comic book. Uh, I don't know why, because none of his other films really did that. Um, but this one felt comic booky to me, and not in like a fantastical shitty marvelized uh, way i mean like a you know like an ec comics like a creepy comics uh comic uh i don't know it's the way i always read it so i never got distracted by any of that stuff but yeah 1978's a classic 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 dawn of the dead yeah i mean i understand what you're saying with like the comic book uh, i understand i understand like the what you're going for with the vibe of it it really I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're all going to touch on the film as well, but I definitely pick up what you're putting down there. Sean, what's your number four? All right, number four, I'm going to go with uh, Day of the Dead. And this was actually a a zombie movie that, like, took forever to grow on me growing up. Was there any particular reason it took so long for it to kind of resonate? I I don't. For some reason, growing up, I, I just didn't really dig this one a lot. And then, like, the older I got, the more I, like, I appreciate it. And obviously, because now it's, like, in my top five. Um, you know, like, overall, I think this is a super rad zombie film. And I, I wish I loved it more when I was growing up. But here we are. Now I'm 32, and I, I appreciate it, though. Cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, obviously, I think it's going to come up again. <laughs> so uh, we'll just throw it right to Eric. Eric, uh, kick off their top threes here. Perfect. Well, 1983, 1985, the year I was born, North 3, Day of the Dead, just to piggyback off of Sean. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, I love this flick. Um, and it's so hard to stack up Romero's flicks, especially the Day of the, day, uh, the Dead flicks. But uh, I keep saying flick. I, I'm going to apologize for that now. But uh, <laughs> um, dare I say that Day has maybe the the best character in the, in all of his films with Rose and, and Joe Filato as Rose. I mean, Oh yeah. Captain Rose. I don't know if there's a, no, if there's more of a, I don't know. Like I, I, there's a lot of memorable, um, characters throughout his films, but Filato just steals the show in this one. And it's super quotable. And it's just an outrageous character, just a complete madman. And one of the coolest death scenes as well. Um, Especially because at some at some point you're almost like some people are rooting for him to die. It's, you know what I mean? And the way he goes is just so intense, just being uh, ripped apart. But uh, I think honestly, yeah, he resonates. I mean, to 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 keep it rolling here, my number three 
is also Day of the Dead. I think this set the precedent for amazing zombie makeup. I think there's stuff that was done in on Day of the Dead that I because I, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Day of the Dead was Nicotero's first film. Uh both acting and makeup um and what what uh Savini was able to do and what those guys were able to do uh for the for their uh for the makeup effects you saw some of those same makeup effects and gags in the walking dead which came out in 2010 you know you saw that in 2010 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 you know it's still going we're still seeing that shit that was made and you know that they're piggybacking off from and they're carrying on some of those gags and the way things zombies looked when they were decaying and and looked in there it's the best zombie I, I personally if someone said what are the two best zombie makeups ever in the history of horror cinema I'm saying 1985's uh, Day of the Dead and Savini's remake, Night Dead, Night of the Living Dead 1990. Those are my two favorite zombie makeups all time ever. But this film is just so fucking awesome. Captain Rhodes, like we said, we have that fucking hilarious Pilato story where he was just strolling around in like a silk fucking like muscle shirt and like some, I don't even know, like just like some... For some reason in my head, I picture him. I know he had like super long hair at that time too, but I picture he had like a blue tank top. But I, I feel like it was like, like pinstripe dress pants. It was, was it was. (laughs) And just like it was so good, and that's a great memory. And I'm so like we were just so. I think because we did a day trip to that Saturday Nightmares in Jersey City, and we were in Romero's line for a bit, and we were kind of pressed on time. We and money at that time too because we were all in our early to mid 20s um and we were just so pressed for time back in 2010 that was it's so fucking crazy to say that but i wish i would have found a way and and made something work to meet Pilato because uh yeah he was he was just amazing and unfortunately passed away uh, a couple years ago and just terrible and shitty and fucking but his 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 work lives on as captain Rhodes, which is one of the greatest characters in horror cinema so yeah i mean i i'm right there with you that's definitely a regret i have a few regrets from that show and and not meeting him was definitely one of them so 100 percent um but yeah sean what's your uh number three uh number three the film that i always kick off my uh octobers with is uh Romero's first zombie film, Night Living Dead. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so hard to, I mean, it's just, it's, it is such an iconic movie in every sense. I think it's the, my opinion, it's the most important, most important independent movie of all time. It's the most important horror movie of all time. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm going to get to it soon. We'll just say that. Um, But yeah. I mean, it's just it's, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna talk more. Uh, number two, Eric. Yeah, like you said, we're gonna talk more on it because it's my number two. Uh, Night of Living Dead. You mean number three? No, What's you that? just read your number three. Oh yeah, I'm laughing this list, am I? Don't fuck it up, Sean. <laughs> yeah, number two, 1968, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Like Jesse said, maybe one of the most important films in the history of of cinema but in in horror 
obviously we know he changed the entire shape of uh, filmmaking with pretty much, I mean, I know there were zombie flicks before this, but, uh, you know, George definitely did it his way and, and, and we wouldn't have obviously any of the rest of his flicks or uh, we wouldn't have the countless amount of, of zombie films afterwards. Um, yeah, like this is, like I said, just an iconic film, super important. Even if you're not a fan of horror, it's something that you need to watch because this is uh, early independent filmmaking at its finest. Uh, George obviously known for that with having local, you know, Pennsylvanians, Western Pennsylvanians in his, in his films and, and everyone wanted to be a part of it. And, um, you know, uh, in 1968, you didn't see much, st- you didn't see stuff like this, like flesh eating zombies, um, change, like I said, change horror, change filmmaking forever and put Romero, obviously originally on the map as one of the greatest, one of the Kings. So. To, to say the very least. And my number two is creep show. Uh, we've, we've talked about creep show a ton. Um, Love, adore Creep Show so much. It's like you said, Eric. It's the kind of it's the blueprint for horror anthologies. Like I said, you mix Stephen King and and Romero in a bag, and you're just gonna get nothing but great things. It's so easy to rewatch millions and millions and millions and millions of times over and over and over again. I never get sick of it ever, ever, ever. Uh, usually when I watch it, I will. I'll honestly, I'll watch it in full and then I usually watch it with commentary and then I'll watch all the special features, even though I've seen them all a million times. Like I have to do it because it's just, I like just engulfing myself in this movie every time I see it. Cause it's fucking great. Sean, what was it? Creep show on your list. Don't worry about it. I guess that means now or is this number one? You'll find out. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, why would he say don't, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. What do you mean? We're fucking talking about. He's a man of mystery. Always. Always man of mystery. Um, but yeah, so fucking creep shows my number two. What's your number two, Sean? My number two is, uh, Dawn of the Dead. I thought Dawn was going to be your number one. So that, that's telling obviously. Yeah. Like you you said, you mean the 2004 one? Yeah. Oh yeah, 2004, directed by uh, Zack Snyder, uh, you know, visionary director. All right. But no, I, well, that said, so you're probably not lying. I'm not. I am lying. Was that the first Dawn of the Dead? The first one you saw, Sean? The first Romero film you saw? No, I seen uh, Night Living Dead first. Um, I remember staying up late with my mom while my dad used to work the grave shift at the hospital. She let me stay up on the weekends to watch horror films with her. And that's actually one of my most uh, loving memory of, as a kid growing up was watching that with her. What's oh, that's uh, really touching, and you don't really dive into the to your heart that much. That's really nice because yeah, I'm a man of mystery. What's uh? So when was the first time you saw Dawn of the Dead? The first time I saw Dawn of the Dead was actually with DT. Had like this cool like clamshell VHS that had like this neat like. I want to say, like, no, I want to say, like, tie-dyed, but it was, like, a cool, colorful case. I know what you're saying. Like, the neon colors, it almost looked like a, like a disco yeah. fucking thing. I know what you're talking about. I know yeah, that, I know like, that, I know yeah, that cover. BT, yeah, like, BT, like, came over with it, like, one day, so then we, like, we watched it. So that's, like, the first time I saw it. And then 
obviously the remake came out later. Yeah. And you loved it. I enjoyed the remake, actually. I did have a lot of fun when I saw that in theaters. BT, or Jesse and I saw it together without actually knowing that we were sitting next to each other. We'll talk about the remakes later. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're diving into our number ones. Eric, let's hear that number one. Uh, if anybody could have guessed differently, I'm sure they would have. No, would not have. But uh, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, my favorite George flick. You know, one of my favorite movies altogether. Love everything about this one. I love the whole story. I mean, it's it's such a... They tell such a tale. There's so many different, like, um, I don't know, moods and mindsets in this film. When they, when they first start off, you know, when they get to the mall and then and then they kind of show them just living and, and day-to-day kind of like uh, just normal everyday tasks that they're doing and then the chaos of the bikers. I'm, it's just it's just a perfect film, I think, and um, I don't know. It's just I just think it's Romero's best work. Um, I think there's a lot of great stuff in all of his other films, of course, but um, this one just really resonates with me. Um, I love the... I just love everything about it. I think each character brings something different to the table. Um, uh, they all come together, and like I said, just just tell a great story. And I just think it's uh, it's his best film, and I love it so much. So yeah, yeah. It's I mean, like I said, Dawn of the Dead. I think uh, by fans is revered as the quintessential zombie movie of all time. It is. It's the. It's the King B, seemingly, to everyone that I talk to about zombie movies for. Of course, there's people that consider, you know, different zombie films, be it Romero's or, you know, Return of the Living Dead or uh, Fulci Zombie. Uh, You know, it's but that one seems to be the King B all the time. So but uh, Sean, uh, I'm going to go last this time. So I'll let you reveal your number one. My number one is actually uh, George Romero's Resident Evil 2 trailer for In Japan. For In Japan? Yeah. JK, it's actually a creep show. Um, number one. I, yeah, I, yeah wouldn't number have, one. I wouldn't have expected uh, Creep Show to be your number one. I just I feel like uh, you were a Dawn of the Dead uh, number one guy. I flip-flopped for the longest time. Like, when I was driving home, I'm all like, because I love them both so equally. Um. But no, I think Creepshow, I don't know, I, I think it's a better film overall, actually, in my eyes. Um, I really enjoy anthology films. Um, you know, obviously, like, with the new Creepshow TV show on Shudder, like, I get super excited for that. I know Romero isn't directing it, but, you know, it's in good hands, and I appreciate it. I have a question for you guys. I mean, maybe you would even have more inside scoop than I would. Do you think if, do you think if Romero was still kicking he would have been a part of this part of that at all maybe but i don't know i maybe he would have but i don't know if he would have directed any of them because it just seemed like right i I don't know i mean it's it's fun to think about um maybe maybe one episode yeah i could see him doing like a one episode like yeah i mean it would be it would be fucking cool if they ever tried to bring back around like i feel like I don't know. I feel like if Romero would have still been alive, I feel like Nicotero would have probably been like, okay, I'm going to write 
or have someone write or Savini or someone write or let George write a follow-up to the crate or something, an episode that was like super like mysterious. And then at the end links like to the crate, to the, like a, you know, finding it or something. And I could see him directing that or at the very least, maybe even appearing in it. That would have just been, uh, you know, obviously a pipe dream, but. That'd be cool. I mean, the the crate. There's actually like a lot of different things you could do with it. Maybe we should start writing on that. Actually, you know, I, I think we should. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's been a million treatments, but I would love to. I would love to see the the crate be brought well, back to life. That story. What were those? I I know I own them. They're so those those anthologies that George put his name on. What were those? The Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Or? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Maybe he would have done something like that where he would have produced it or slapped his you name. You know what I'm surprised about when I was doing my like list and I was on IMDb, like Romero never directed an episode of Masters of Horror. No, he didn't, and I'm not sure why. Um, I don't even know if Garris ever really talked about it, but I know they filmed in 2004 when George was doing Land, and yeah. then I think when they filmed again in 2000. Five, he might have been doing something for fucking prepping for diary. I don't know, but George was also in Canada at the time, so uh, I'm not sure what what might have prevented that. Um, but yeah, George never never appeared. Uh, Wes either. Yeah, that's that'd be an interesting. Uh, if anybody had inside scoops on like, uh, like who was, or maybe there was people who were who were approached and they just didn't. I mean, that would be... Well, that's a... Yeah, that's a... I mean, Mick Garris was the mastermind behind that, and it started from the Masters of Horror dinners that uh, Mick Garris would have. And I know Mick is close with Carpenter, very, very close with Dante and Landis. Um, Yeah. But I don't think he was... I know Wes Craven... I, I know, I don't, I'm pretty sure George was at one of those Masters of Horror dinners, and I know for a fact Wes Craven went to one... Um, because I think Adam Green and Joe Lynch talk about Wes being at one and just kind of like quietly saying a few things and just smiling and just soaking in every all the other masters there yeah. fucking saying stuff. I do, I do, I do recall that. I do. I, I want to say maybe they post a picture with Romero at one of them, but I can't remember. But yeah, that's cool. Now, I think Toby's the only outlier of the big uh, of the big four, but Romero. Wes and John all worked with Adrian Barbeau too. Obviously, John marrying her at one point, having a kid. Cody Carpenter who plays in his band, but uh, yeah, not to be for the other famous Cody Carpenter. No, no. Uh, all right, well, I'm gonna. You tell me. We want to hear your number one now. My number one is uh, my second favorite film of all time. Uh, it's Night of Living Dead, and this movie, like, I mean, Eric, you were speaking on it. I've spoke about it a million times on the George episode, on other episodes where we bring up George anytime. It created the modern American zombie, and you could say whatever you want about foreign films, and foreign films are great. There's a million great Italian films. There's a million great fucking, uh, you know, uh, Spanish films and um, German films, and there's so many great foreign horror. But let's not kid ourselves when we say that American horror is king. It's king. Like we have, 
the, we've had the greatest directors, and that's not taking anything away from any foreign directors, but we've had five to ten of the greatest horror movies ever directed by five or ten of the greatest di- movies directed by the greatest directors ever. I don't know. When, it, when you say, like, okay, George Romero, Wes Craven, John Carpenter, uh, Toby Hooper... I mean, you could even say, I know he's not strictly a horror movie guy, but John Landis doing, you know, uh, American Werewolf in London, uh, Joe Dante, The Howling, uh, you know, Cronenberg with everything he's done. There's just so Stuart Gordon, Reanimator. Um, you know, I could go on and on about, I mean, but when we talk American horror, it starts for me. Obviously, we have the Universal Monsters, and those are in a league of their own. It helped launch and create and manifest and inspire so many different directors, to and filmmakers and actors and and makeup effects artists and with Lon Chaney and Bela Lugosi. Those guys are so influential uh, to to the guy, likes of you know the Dick Smiths, uh, Rick Bakers, you know uh, that are. It, it'll never be able. You'll never be able to encapsulate all that they mean. But with as huge as zombies are, zombies are are what? They're bigger than werewolves. They're bigger than vampires. They're bigger than demons. They're bigger than anything you can think of as far as like what horror, you know, is horror's biggest uh, creature, whatever you want to call it. But who created the modern American zombie? It's George Romero. And with this film independently in Pittsburgh, big middle fingers to Hollywood. Fuck you. I don't have to fucking make the film. That way, I'm making it in Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh people, uh, mostly Pittsburgh people, and I'm doing it my way. And there's nothing more that speaks to what horror does and is and was and will always be as far as DIY, independent, do it yourself. And there's, don't get me wrong, so many of these guys who have started that way have moved on to studio, doing studio films and kind of. Uh, bowing somewhat to get some of their films made, um, but I feel like George tried to do that at to the least degree he possibly could, and that's why he made films in Pittsburgh and later in Canada. And to know that this film was so such a small budget, filmed in a working class town with working class people, with working class actors, um, and gave. In, in modern American cinema gave uh, a black man his, his start in a movie uh, because he was the best for the job not to push but not to intentionally push push buttons not to not to be like oh he's so edgy or anything like that George just did it because he was best for the job and there's a million different reasons why this movie is important but mainly it's the greatest independent movie ever made of all time. And it's the most important horror movie made of all time, in my eyes. Um, and that says something to say that when you think about, you know, when you think about, uh, you know, the 1931 Dracula and the 1941 Wolfman and all these classic, classic monster films. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is the king of horror films. It's the king of independent cinema, in my eyes. So I love the film to death. It's George's... It's it's George's uh, it's his Bible for American zombies. So you can make the train to Bassans. You can make all the Italian. You can take all the Italian zombie movies. They're all well and great, but 
I mean, you, we have a debt of gratitude to forever give to George Romero because he created something that still exists in, in high prominence today, and that's the American Zombie. I mean, couldn't have said it any better, for sure. I mean, literally the godfather of the zombie, for sure. And uh, like I said, it's the it's the biggest creature we have. Yeah, I'd say within, especially too, like obviously we had a little, we had that wave of vampire flicks, but uh, the zombie, I mean, think about how many zombie films have come out in the past 20 years or even 30, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Even the past 10, there's probably 100 that we can think of. I mean, an insane amount, so. Yeah. He's behind it all, I mean, really, honestly. Yeah, he is the, he's the puppeteer. And yeah, these were great lists. Those are fucking awesome. I'm glad BT got to uh, submit a list. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. Like, glad Brian was able to get his list in there for sure. Every every time we do these, I always like them eager because obviously I know we we all talk on like a daily basis. We always are talking film or music or whatever. But it's always interesting interesting to see where people place certain things. You know, like I don't know, like Sean having Creep Show number one, like. We're all really good friends, but I don't think I would have—I would have guessed that I would have Creepshow at number one. But I think it's awesome, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, it's just—I mean, we'll forever talk about it. I mean, that's why this podcast started was to talk about Romero, Romero films, and and West films, and Carp films, yeah. and Hoop, Hooper films, and yeah. I know I've told this story like before, but I figure if there's anybody else listening who didn't hear it before, but like we've all met Romero. He's like such a nice guy, but I was like, just showed that one time we, you know, the second time we met him, there was that crazy line at monster mania in, uh, middle Cherry of Hill. summer, middle of summer. Yeah. Middle of summer, crazy line. Like he's waiting. And then like, he, I have this night of the living dead print where Judith O'Day and John Russo have signed. And he was going to sign it, and he just kind of hit the pen for some reason. Just whatever paper type of paper it was, just was not sticking. And he was like so concerned about this autograph. Meanwhile, like you know, he's been signed. He's he's he was up there. Like obviously, you could tell like from the first time that we all met him or we met him, you could tell he's a little bit different. But he was just so concerned about like putting down a good auto on this poster, and it just kind of really showed like. You could tell he was like such a good guy, and like he actually cared. When you know, we know a lot of people just want your money and just go and they don't even look up at you but he was really concerned about that and, and i know we all have uh, cool memories of meeting him so it's really really just awesome yeah and i think when we hit a couple more cons i think we hit i think we hit one or two more cons that he was at and we didn't get his auto because we're like oh well, we already met him twice hindsight now i think we can we can say with certainty we should have met him a third time oh uh, yeah for sure like when, when we were in maryland for the monster mania and and there was at one point where he literally had like, for some reason at that point there was nobody in his line and we were both standing there like should we go meet him and we probably should have for sure but whatever we we did get to meet him twice and we got to share a, a little a couple memories taking nineteen pictures on a well this date us a little bit but on a digital camera we well that's what's take- that's what's great too people that listen to this when we met George Romero for the first time. We had a digital camera because none of our phones had, if they had cameras, they were very, very old school flip Samsung aliases from 2010. There wasn't the hot, super high-end fucking iPhone cameras that we have now. And we we didn't think our camera was taking pictures, so uh, we we told them we had to come back once we got batteries, which Jesse stole, I want to add. He stole his Hell yeah. 
Uh, but it turns out when we got when we turned it out, we realized we got like 19 pictures of us with Romero, which was hilarious. And I um, love that beat. Well, sorry, go ahead, John. I was gonna say a fun fact about that camera. You guys borrowed it from me because I couldn't go. Do you have those pictures? I don't even know I have that camera anymore. That's well, probably with your other camera. Hell yeah. <laughs> you be bride's camera. It's my camera. <laughs> I had it for like a year. I do, yeah. Possession's nine tenths of the law. I did like that we when we uh when we met Romero and BT had that opera shirt on. Romero was just like opera, all right. He's like, I <laughs> the way it was shot, the way he did that. I, who even knows? It was great. Yeah, uh, he was super pumped on that. That's yeah. what was I think that's cool. He's given like insight on like or like talked about how Argento uh, did his dirty work. I thought that was great. Yeah, that was just. I mean. To be able to meet him at that time, at that time when he was still, I mean, and not that when we met him the second time, he was like, uh, he was like out of it or anything, but you could tell he had a, like those, you know, I think it was three years. Like you saw the age catch up to him. Uh, and he was in a day two of signing for like hours and hours and hours in the middle of summer. You know, when we met him the first time he had his, uh, you know, he had his flannel and his bubble vest on and it was March and it was nice and cozy in there. So. I think you definitely, uh, I mean, you noticed the difference for sure. He was still there, but definitely he stopped signing to stay scared, and you kind of noticed a little bit different. It's really sad that uh, we lost him, but he good li- times, good night. Yeah, he lives on. To, to say that we had experiences with George Romero, I mean, says everything. That's 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 cool enough for me. Hey, can I give out my uh, random George Romero trivia? Yes. You guys know that George Romero was actually supposed to direct the original Resident Evil movie. Yep. And he didn't play video games, so he had someone play the game for him in front of him, and he took notes. <laughs> I don't think I knew that part. But I didn't know awesome. that part, but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I don't know, it also makes me glad that he actually did direct a Resident Evil 2 trailer for the video game, which was only released in Japan. Yeah, it's... I mean, and then again... To think about what he probably could have done too, when you hear about, you know, he was initially the first choice and was, I think, almost signed on to do Pet Cemetery, but couldn't do it. Conflicting reports uh, saying that it was to wrap up. Uh, he was shooting Monkey Shines, but that doesn't add up because the timeline doesn't add up. But from what I understand, it was Monkey Shines bombed and and Paramount fucking pulled the plug on him and went. They went with Mary Lambert and. Pet Cemetery is great, but it definitely makes me think and wonder what George's take on Pet Cemetery would have done, especially because George and, and Stephen King just had such a magic whenever they worked together, whenever George told some uh, told some uh, King stories, uh, for sure. But but moving on, yeah. what? What's yeah, that? I was just saying it would have been, been interesting, that's for sure. Absolutely. But uh, before we wrap up this episode... Uh, we wrap up, uh, you know, our top 10 George Romero lists. Um, we should, uh, we should talk about, uh, Halloween kills just got announced that on the same day, it's going to be in theaters. It's actually going to be in on Peacock on the Peacock network, uh, for free for any subscribers to Peacock. So I think that was, I think that's a good and I think it was because they wanted to ensure that people that didn't feel safe going out in theaters could still see it. Um, honestly, I think it, it, I think that's, 
it's good and it's bad. It's good because so many people that either can't go or don't feel safe going can get to see it. But I feel like that also is going to kneecap the movie's uh, ability to make money. Um, and I hope that doesn't at all affect Halloween ends. Um, I don't think it will. But I, for one, will be going to the theater um, because, I mean, for what it's worth, I take vitamin D. If a mask is mandatory, if it's mandatory by anybody, I wear my mask. I'm vaccinated. I don't give a fuck. And, I, I you know... I'm going to see it in theaters is what I'm saying. And nothing would stop me from going to see it in theaters unless they shut the theater down. Right, yeah, that's like, the whole thing to me is like, yeah, it's like bittersweet because again, now I feel like ticket sales might get crushed by this. But then again, they also see revenue from, you know, the streaming service. I I mean, I hope there's some kind of crazy deal because it's definitely much lesser than those people going to see it. And I, I mean, the only plus side is there's going to be not so many idiots in the theater if we're going to go see it. Less jabronis. Yeah, less jabrones. So who knows? I hope it does extremely well. But, you know, Halloween 18 did $255 million worldwide. So it's got quite the reputation to live up to. But, hell, it ain't called Halloween Kills for nothing. So what do you guys think about this getting put on Peacock same day as release? I just hope that it doesn't become like a trend with a lot of movies where it's just like, yeah, fuck it, just put on streaming. Well, I, I think it's I think that's kind of we're heading there, but I, I still don't think that that's going to take away from theaters. I think theaters will always always exist, and, and even if they go to a smaller facet where they aren't as big and, and things like that, because people are always going to want to go see their comic book movies in there. And horror movies, too. Uh, horror movies, especially. I feel like, you know, when you get movies like It and Halloween 2018 that come out, uh, the box office proved that people show up for horror movies if they're done right. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I same thing with Don't Breathe, too. Like, a week after it came out, like, we were able to watch it on... Uh, we were able to rent it for $20. So, that's, like, equivalent to, like, two matinee tickets up here. So, I mean, hopefully... They see as much of that as possible. Um, and honestly, if it's, I know if it's going straight to Peacock, but um, I, I'm going to the theater to see it for sure. I'm definitely going to theaters to watch it. Yeah, theaters. I think it's kind of like what you said. I mean, it's kind of the nature of the beast. It's kind of how things are happening. But they're, you know, they're just maneuvering in these weird times. And I don't think it's going to hurt the ticket sales. I think if theaters are open, people are going to go, especially the, the diehards. So. I think this just means, hey, now that we can watch it in theaters, and then when you guys come from Monster Mania, we can also watch it here on Friday night. So That's true. That's very true. But, uh, all right, guys, this is this will wrap it up. Um, but, yeah, any uh, real quick before we end it, what is your two – do you guys have any favorite episodes that you've either not been a part of or been a part of for the last four years of the, the Heart Guy Media podcast, now affectionately known as the Sight and Sound podcast? Uh, I mean, I feel, go ahead, Eric. No, John, you to do it. I would say my favorite episode will always be the Friday Thirteenth one. That was a blast. Going that long and being that tired, and we had some offensive things said in there, and it was unedited, and it was uh, yeah, that was a blast of an episode. And spoiler alert, we're gonna do that with Night- or Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire series, but we'll probably break that up oh, into two, two episodes. Are we doing another? So, so pretty much we're doing another Iron Man match. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm excited for the future. I mean, this is four years strong, and if I could be a part of uh, of everyone, I, I love doing these, and it's it's been a blast. They've all been a blast. So, you got any favorite standout episodes? Uh, let's see. You know what? There was a fun episode we did uh, a while ago. Actually, if you can recall, I believe it was we we touched on ACDC. That was a fun one. Yeah. I felt like. Uh, like you said, the Friday the Thirteenth one. Anyone we get all together, to be honest with you. Um, our, our werewolf list was really a fun one. Yeah, that was a good one too. Well, I think we talk- should. I think when we are all together for Monster Mania, maybe that Friday we after the gals go to bed, maybe we all pod on Halloween Kills. I was gonna say we should do a uh, Halloween Kills review episode. I think we should get the girls in on it. This would this would be the one, the finally an episode where we get the girls in. Yeah, that's true. Um, looking back, if I could say a favorite episode that each of you were on, Sean, I would say the episode where we did the lethal weapon commentary was a lot of fun. Yeah. Was that, was that our first and only time we ever did a commentary track? I did one with, uh, Charles Beekner, um, of doom tunes. We did RoboCop, but, um, I was also on two hours of sleep and I did that too. Um, but yeah, we're going to do lethal weapon too soon we're gonna do a commentary for that one um actually we're gonna just do them all i think because lethal weapons just merit commentary but eric uh we've done a a lot of episodes together but one that i had a lot of fun doing with just me and you was uh the christine episode we did a while ago oh yeah that was a good one that was a lot of fun i mean that was another one again i don't touch on it then but a movie that when you can bring that one to light, because it doesn't maybe get talked about enough, especially because uh, Carpenter having such an arsenal that he has, that was a lot of fun. No, it was a blast, but and there's going to be many more, and uh, more with all of us on, and yeah, it's going to be good, good shit. So uh, yeah, hang on to uh, your nipples and get prepared for another four years, and uh, onward, upward, and. Uh, Into the darkness we shall go. Hell yes. As always, keep it tight.